Hi, everyone. Welcome to Light from the Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Don Whitney. I started this podcast to share my own story and to share stories of light in the dark corners of trauma, chronic and mental illness, and addiction. It will also include brave stories within the LGBTQIA community. On today's episode titled Embracing Your Whole Self, I speak with Steve Hansen, who is a trans male that will share his story of triumph through mental health, addiction, and transitioning to the man he was born to be. Steve shares deep insight into the trans community that will help those of us understand how best to support someone who's thinking about coming out or who has come out. Steve and I have known each other for 29 years and recently became reconnected. This is a powerful story. Let's dive in. I want to introduce someone that, um, boy, how long have we known each other? Since 1982. Okay. Okay. 1982. So this is Stevie or Steve. Should I... Are we, right. are we calling you Stevie or Steve? Cause I kind of like Whatever you're comfortable with my <laughs> okay. legal name is Stevie, but if you're comfortable calling me Steve, I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. Of course I'm comfortable. So Steve Hansen and, uh, we have a great, we have a great story to tell today. And I say we, because we're in this together in the sharing of personal stuff that we both, um, I guess have been dealing with for many, many years and in different ways. It's the thing is the thing that bonded us. <laughs> it is the thing that bonded us. So we'll start, <laughs> go ahead. What were you going to say? Briggs and Stratton lawnmower carburetor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you, do you, by the way, do you have, do you have a lawnmower? Because yeah. you know how to put one together. I have an electric mower. I don't have a gas mower. Yeah. Who the hell has gas anymore? Exactly. Okay. So, so let me paint the picture for everyone that's listening. So um, we were at a school in San Diego together and what I think it must've been fresh. Was it freshman year? Maybe sophomore. sophomore year. Okay. Sophomore year. And we, I had signed up as an elective for the cooking class because, you know, I, I like to cook. And the, cook, the cooking class was full. So I had an option for, oh my gosh, it was some kind of a, of a PE class. I want to say archery or so, it was some kind of, it was something ridiculous that I would never do. And auto shop. And I thought, well, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you got to do? You're just going to learn about some engines and some how to change your oil. And I was like, no, no problem. I don't think there were many girls in auto shop, if I remember correctly. And then I met you. And it was interesting because we got paired together, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And well, that's because I, I, I was a girl then. Yes. So two girls together. Is that why, is that how that happened? Yeah, that's how that happened. We oh, see, no, that's ridiculous. So no, that's ridiculous right there that they did that. They're like, let's put the two girls together. The teacher, the teacher was so misogynistic. It was ridiculous. I do remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. So back in the day, so the listeners can understand how this all works is you were actually Stephanie. Yeah. And you had a different last name. Velke? Yes. Yes. So, okay. So just to paint the picture. So we are paired together. No one thinks that we are going to be able to pass this this class. (laughs) We are, there is a lawnmower. I mean, there were a bunch of different things that we did, right? No, we just worked on that damn lawnmower engine. Is that all we did? Okay. I thought we had other things we did. Well, so we had to take the lawnmower apart every single piece. Mm-hmm. And then we had to put it back together without right. any help doing anything. Right. I was absolutely zero help to you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I cheered you on. You did. <laughs> I'm sure I was the cheerleader. So I'm sure I was cheering you in the corner. You helped me, you helped me keep the parts organized. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, okay, well, she knows what she's doing. So that's cool. Um, but we became friends and we 
you know, you were different, like describe who you were then, because you were very, very quiet, right? At least mm-hmm. what I remember. Okay. So tell, talk a little bit about that. Well, I was probably quiet because deep down, well, back then in the eighties, the only thing that I could relate to from what we had available to vocabulary was either gay or lesbian. Mm-hmm. So I just yep. figured I must be a lesbian, even though when I was a little kid, I knew deep down inside that I was male. It just was in the wrong body. Yeah. But back then, you know, there wasn't any vocabulary for that. There wasn't, no. you know, not like today where you can Google it and have a real fast aha moment. Yeah. Because back in the eighties, anyone that was trans was in stealth, right? They were, totally. they were completely in hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you okay. were able to tell at all. In fact, I think in the 80s, if you were trans, you didn't stay where you grew up. You moved sight unseen to somewhere where nobody knew who you were and you started over again. Wow. Yeah. So back in, in those days when we were together, you knew... Uh, well, you said, you told me that you knew when you were two, that yeah. you were a, a boy, a man. Okay. You were secretly, quietly just trying to kind of fly under the radar, which is why you were mostly an introvert, correct? Yeah. Right. Well, I still, I'm still an introvert. <laughs> you are? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. But, Once an introvert, always one, right? Right. But I but did have a very, I was a purposeful introvert back then because... <laughs> It was keeping me alive. It was keeping you alive. Yeah. So do you think back then that anybody had a clue at school that you... I'm pretty sure just about everybody that knew me thought at one point or another, oh, she's a lesbian. Okay. And yeah. if you want to get into labels and semantics, technically they were right because I'm attracted to women. Got it. And I was a woman, so that would make me a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a great man, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so you knew then that I'm just, I'm in the wrong body. Yeah. Right? Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how that was at home. I'm curious. Um, I used to get in a lot of arguments with my mom. Clothes shopping was mm-hmm. like knockout, just horrible arguments. Right. You know, she wanted to buy me feminine stuff. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm wearing that. <laughs> yeah. You remember how I dress. I was, you know, Levi jeans. Yes, sure. I remember the Levi's. Yep. And, and shirts, T-shirts, button-up shirts, whatever. You know, really, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, androgynous. Mm-hmm. You can yeah, get. I do remember that. Right. Yeah. So your mom, so tell me about your home life. So you had uh, your mom and dad were together. No, no. Okay. Yeah. My, my parents had split up when I was little. Okay. um, And I really didn't get to know my dad until probably junior high school. Okay. So So your mom, so you think your mom thought of Stephanie's a lesbian, but I'm going to just pretend she's not. Mm -hmm. And so you had really no support at home. It sounds like. Not much. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I mean, did that I, change? Was, I was allowed to, well, for one Christmas, she got me um, things for my car, <laughs> which You're were like, like okay. the best gifts possible. I got yeah. like wax and armor all. And, you know. <laughs> so that was great. I was excited about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so she, she was just in denial, right? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so when did you finally tell her that you... Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to terms with my transgender issues until later in life. Right. Uh, like I said, at that particular time, the only vocabulary that I had to refer to myself sure. was being a lesbian. Right. Um, I came out... Came out... You remember... Yes, I do, actually. Who I came out to. Oh, you're kidding. Just, just ran, you were 16. Mm -hmm. And how did it go? How? She was like, like, yeah, I knew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, painless, you know, telling her. But it felt good to say it. 
Yeah, it felt good to say it. However, that's not really what you were feeling inside. No. Yeah. So that's the interesting part for me in the research and the education that I am doing right now on the trans community is just understanding the absolute suffering that I, I guess that's the, really the only word to describe it. Um, you might have a better one, but that goes on when you just uh, cannot, you have no support system and, and, and you well, just you can't know, talk about it. It was interesting because I was lucky enough to meet other gays and lesbians after high school. So I became involved in the community, but it, interestingly enough, I never really felt at home in the lesbian community. If that mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure you're well aware of the spectrum of lesbians. You have your lipstick lesbians. Yes. Lesbians that look like you. Yes. I would be a great les lipstick lesbian. Yes, you would. And then you have <laughs> which lesbians that look like me. Yes. Right, right. Everybody just assumed that I was a butch lesbian. Okay. Never that label. Never yeah. Fit. Right. I'd never identified. Yeah. I have to tell you, I was pretty surprised when we, when we were corresponding, um, when you said that you were trans. Um, I thought it was really brave first of all, to, to say that to me after the fact that we haven't talked, really talked to each other in 30 something years, we've just been on Facebook together. Mm -hmm. And when you saw the, the post that I did about the, the series, the podcast series and what I was kind of doing and you reached out to me, which was really um, amazing. Uh, and I want to thank you for that. I, I was shocked because I thought like everyone probably that you were lesbian. Yeah. I was misdiagnosed so, as a lesbian. I know. And I really love that you said that. <laughs> and I like that. I think that that's true. You were. Did, so let me ask you this. So you told you, you came out, but then when did you come out to your mom? I came out to my mom after I had joined the military. It was actually right after my basic training graduation. Okay. And she and my grandparents had driven out to drive me to my, my secondary AIT school. So we traveled from Alabama to Georgia. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up telling her in the hotel room. Oh, wow. How'd she take that? Uh, I thought, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, she did have some issues with it when she got home. She was more worried about what her friends would think. Of course. Of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah, some people think that way. Well, she really must have been thrown a curveball when she found out you were trans. <laughs> yeah, everybody was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I, I probably, let's see, I think it was when I verbalized my trans identity, mm -hmm. I think it was 1994, 95. Okay, so, so early 20s. 10 years, 10 years had passed. Mm-hmm. Mid-20s, yeah. Yeah, so here's a weird prophecy, okay? So I'm at the 10-year high school reunion, right? Mm, so glad I didn't go to that. And I showed up as, <laughs> I showed up as Stephanie, right? Okay. And, um, I was just beginning to start to wrap my head around transgender, what it means to be transgender. Mm-hmm. How is it exactly that I identify and what was I comfortable with? Mm -hmm. It is, it, everything's on a spectrum, you know? And I remembered, I remember it was somewhere on Harbor Island, mm. they, whatever. And I showed up, I didn't buy a ticket to it because I was cheap. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm just going to crash it. So I show up and I am greeted by. Oh, I remember I was a cheerleader with was just hammered. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds like what I remember. It's about maybe a foot away from my face. And she goes, Hey, are you a dude? Did you change? Are you a dude? And then oh, she no. went to grab my groin. Now I know she doesn't. <gasps> 
this because she was pretty lit. There's no, I'm sure she was in blackout mode. But that, uh, was, yeah, that was. Uh, that must have been an awful moment. It was an awful moment. But at the same time, it became very apparent to me that somebody else saw that within me mm -hmm. other than myself. Yeah. Even though she was completely yeah. liberated. So that did, how did you feel when that happened? Uh, well, because it was done in front of a bunch of people, I was extremely embarrassed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Left. And um, I did not return. I, I went to the 20-year reunion, but I did not go to this last one. Was she at the 20-year? She was, but I didn't, I didn't like cross paths. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You should have walked up to her and said, guess oh, what? She would have remembered <laughs> <laughs> There's no way she would have remembered. No. But, but yeah, I do I do intend to say, hey, you were right after all. You were yeah. right after all. I mean, you didn't have to grab my my groin, but you were right. <laughs> so I want to understand the timing on this. So you tell your mom in the hotel room, you thought it went okay. Now you're out of the military at this point? Well, I joined the military in 1986, so I told her in 1986. We okay. were in high school for a year. Okay. Um, I stayed in the military for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So when I got out, that's when I really started to, you know, try and grasp. Go down this path, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when yeah. you were in the military, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so, I served during the time that it was illegal to be LGBTQ. I, exactly. It wasn't even it wasn't even called LGBTQ back nope, then. It was not. You were if you were gay, that's what they called it. If you were gay, you're out. Get kicked out. Okay, so how tell me how that was. It was horrible. Did, did people assume that you were a lesbian? Well, you know, interestingly enough the time frame that I was in, everybody kind of knew. They knew who the lesbians were in the unit. They knew who mm -hmm. the gay soldiers were in the unit. And as long as you stayed to yourself and showed up for work, mm -hmm. what was expected of you, it's pretty cool. Don't ask, don't tell. Before don't ask, don't tell. Mm. When you okay. put the name on it, that's when all shit hit the fan and yeah. then it became a problem. And then it became a problem. Is yeah. that why you left, you think? Oh, no, I just got out because what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. It made it really difficult to stay in. Well, I think it's really important to talk a little bit about that if you're comfortable talking about it. It's up to you. Um, but... It's hard. I can't even imagine how hard it would be to be. Um, well, you know, it's 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 interesting. Kind of trapped. It's. Um, I've been in therapy now since 2008. Okay, let me back up. So in 1989, I was stationed in Korea, mm -hmm. and it was a very small post. I think there were 78 Americans. There was like 120 Koreans mm. and 78 Americans. Okay. And it was uh, my roommate's birthday party. And I had had a little too much to drink. Mm -hmm. So my roommate said, okay, here's the, here's the waste paper basket. <laughs> yeah. Put you in here and lean your head over. You know, like friends do. Yeah, exactly. And you, didn't have, your, you, you didn't have long hair, so there was no hair to hold. Long so. Hair, so <laughs> <laughs> but you know and 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 then so i i was stephanie then you know uh i was on a all-female floor right it was a three-story building the first floor was where all the females were and the next two floors were male mm -hmm. so and our room was literally like the first door through the exterior exit right on the other side of that exit was her birthday party you know we were having a barbecue and you know, yeah. Words. There's only 78 Americans there, so literally everybody was at the party. Yeah. You know? And this was in the beginning of the military, your career in the military? It was in for three and a half years. Okay. Been that you were there. Years. Okay. So, you know, 
she took turns and I had some really close friends. They all took turns poking their head in to check on me. Sure. I was still breathing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause they knew I was to the point where I was going to be hurling my, mm -hmm. I've been there. <laughs> but you know, this is responsible, normal friend thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, this, this asshole who is definitely a predator, um, had been seen earlier walking through the hallway of the uh, woman's floor, checking all doorknobs. Oh no. Seeing what rooms were open. Of course, my room's open, unlocked, because people were checking on me. Yeah. And uh, basically, for as drunk as I was, I was pretty, pretty gone. That's what I woke up to. Woke up with this guy on top of me. Oh my God. And I, I don't know how many minutes passed, but I do know one of my friends, Randy, came through the door to check on me. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was able to say, get this guy off of me. He's raping me. And oh God. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry. That, so, is, that, is, that is horrific. Mm -hmm. And to be... So that is a horrific thing for anyone, yeah. obviously. But I that turned my whole life completely upside down. It oh just, yeah, it totally destroyed my military career, completely, completely yeah. wiped it. Really? Because I was never the same person when it, you know before this situation yeah. happened. I I was you know on track to being promoted. Yeah. My next promotion was to sergeant. You know, I had mm -hmm. plans of staying in, maybe maybe going OCS to become an officer, go to college, become an officer, you know, mm -hmm. plans. Yeah. This totally derailed everything. Because you just, it was so traumatic yeah. and, and it would be traumatic for anyone, but let alone the fact that you were already, you were dealing with all of your own internal things that you were trying to come to grips with. Yeah. I mean, that must have been a very confusing time, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened to him? Uh, he did. He served seven years in Leavenworth, but not for what you think. Oh. Um, okay. It was a plea bargain during the court trial where the rape was dropped to sexual assault. Oh, boy. He served time for trespassing on government property. Oh boy, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. So no one really thought that it was that big of a deal. Right. What happened to you? They were actually going to transport us because we were at a, uh, what you would call a satellite. We were in the mountains. It was, uh, okay. You know. So the, the closest post that had a large military police was 45 minutes away, 45 minute drive. They were going to transport us in the same vehicle. Oh my God, this is horrific. And you it know, was, you, know you know who stepped up and said no? <laughs> the, 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 the company cook. Is that right? He stepped up and he said, you guys are out of your freaking minds. You can't, you can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that was the start for you of the mental health component of what we're going to be talking about today. Do you think Definitely kickstarted it for sure? Yeah. yeah. The PTSD, as you that know, I, PTSD comes from. Yeah, absolutely. As you know, I have, uh, you know, some pretty horrific things too that have happened to me that have caused me to get a lot of treatment for PTSD yeah. over the years. And I think that um, it's one of those things that people there's this mindset of like, well, you don't really have PTSD. I mean, that's just for people who've been like in, in wars with guns and seen people die. You know, that's really what PTSD is about. But what I've learned, and maybe you have as well, is that there is also a mental health piece of this whole thing, which is complex PTSD, which I did a lot of reading about. And I, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much sure that my son, he, I, I know that he has been diagnosed with this. I'm pretty much sure that, sure that he suffers from that. 
and I may as well. Um, but it is a very traumatic, um, it's like PTSD is here. Mm. Complex PTSD is way up here. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, and if you don't get treatment for it, which can be, I mean, really for me, I'm a huge advocate of EMDR. I don't know if you've done any EMDR therapy yet. If you haven't, we need to talk about that. Um, because I've done years as you have of talk therapy, which mm-hmm. I think therapy, and I know you want to talk about this because it's important. I, I did inpatient too. You did inpatient. Okay, therapy. good. I want to talk about that. But therapy, I think, just is so necessary. It's oh. necessary for everyone, no matter if you have a mental health issue or addiction issue or you are struggling with your identity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just crucial. Okay, so let's talk about this. So you, so you go through this whole thing. Yeah. Did you get out right then? Um. Well, I I did end up finally getting emergency leave. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks to my grandfather, he went a little overboard, and he actually contacted the Secretary of the Army in Washington D.C. Oh wow, that's and, good. Yeah. Well. It was no. good, but it was bad. It was a double-edged sword. Okay. Because basically, you're making shit roll downhill. Yeah, and it hurt your hurt your career is what you were talking about. Literally land on you. Got but it. But it did get me out of country. Um, I signed into a reserve unit, and I came back to California for mm-hmm. three months. Mm-hmm. Signed into a reserve unit that I just basically showed up and answered the phone. You know, oh, man. most of the time. The rest of the time I was able to go try and seek therapy. Well, come to find out, it was really hard to find a therapist to deal with rape. In general or because you were in the military? General. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it, it is. It was ridiculous. This was yeah. 1989 and the closest thing I could find was a nun. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, bless the nuns. They're the best. Seriously. Seriously. Well, you know, I I was shocked. So with that, you know, and then I had to go back to Korea for the court date. Oh, you and did. And then after that is when I out-processed. So I got out of active duty after the court, after okay. the court date. So you're how old now? Was on, well, it, actually, the court date was on my birthday. Oh, wow. Landed on my birthday. I and think I had at, turned 23. 23. Okay. So you're 23. By the way, our lives have been are parallel because uh, 23 years old is when I um, started having memories of, of sexual abuse in my life. So interesting. That's yeah. crazy right there. First of all, we talked about this off, off uh, line, but how... I'm a big believer in the universe. I know you are as well. Everything happens for a reason. The fact that we have not seen each other, which by the way, you look exactly the same. I can't even believe it. How do you? <laughs> oh, thank you. I threw that out there so you'd give me one back, but that was, it worked. Um, no, and so we, we got connected on Facebook a few years ago. We, you know, watch each other's, you know, back and forth. I'm like, oh, he loves, you know, animals. Like, I, lo- I love this, you know. And so I see all that with you and everything. And then, but then I do this, this post and all of a sudden you're, you, e- you text me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a gift from above that I am being reconnected and what and without me reading what you wrote but there is one thing i want to read that you wrote that was pretty cool what did you say when you when you do you remember what you said no i don't remember what i said all right let me that's part of the ptsd thing yeah it is thank god i am so glad you said that because people think that i am like in menopause losing my shit and i just can't remember anything um but i'm gonna find i'm gonna find this this um, message because it was so profound and I just remember reading it and I had my mouth wide open and I was like, (laughs) wow, 
I have got to get him on here. So here's what I remember you saying, and I'm going to read it. You okay with that? Yeah, go ahead. Um, you said it was really cool. Um, I wanted to share something with you. Long story short, I am trans. <laughs> I was misdiagnosed as a lesbian when in fact, I've always been a straight guy, LOL. I loved that. I started laughing. Uh, I have completely transitioned as of four years ago. So four years ago, you and I are 50 something. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Before I read anything else, why do you think it took you so long? Fear. Yeah. Fear of what others would think or yeah. fears of how you were going to feel about it. Fear of what others would mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. the fear was overwhelming. But you know, yeah. it's funny because you get to a point in your life where eventually nobody else really matters as much as you do. Yeah. Why does it take us almost 50 years to figure that shit out. <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had the answer to that. I really do. <laughs> I really don't understand that. Um, so one thing you said in here, the one constant that I have realized in my own journey has been therapy. Mm -hmm. I cannot express enough the importance of getting oneself into a good therapy program. I started specifically for transgender issues in 96. I wanted to transition then, but I just didn't have the support that I needed. What support did you need? Support of family and friends. Yeah. yeah. You were, everybody was kind of like in denial about it or they didn't think you should do it. Oh, they didn't think I should do it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Why did you decide to do it then? Because I couldn't continue living with myself anymore. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was transition or I was literally at that point. Transition or cease to exist on the earth. Yeah. Which is a great segue into the fact that as I've been doing more research in the LGBTQ community and learned that I guess the numbers and you might have more statistics on this, but 30, I do. I good do. I'm so glad you do, but like 30% to right? Human rights website, uh, yeah. F to M's. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the acronyms. Mm -hmm. So F to M is female to male. Yep. Suicide rate is 50%. 50. For male to female, it's 30%. Mm -hmm. Because male to female appears to be more accepted in the trans community, or am I wrong on that? Or more comfortable, it happens more often. I think I male say. to female is seen more in the community and as well as on, on media. On media. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. It's a big change. And when you're saying or, 50% and go through puberty and become male. Yep. There's a lot of backing up you gotta do. Yeah. Female. Going the other way around, not so much. I didn't really have to do all that much. I got you know? it. So, so when you you're saying the 30% or the 50% and the 30%, just so everyone that's listening, you're talking about suicide rate. Suicide. Non-binary is 42%. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what non-binary is. Uh, non-binary are people that they either identify as both. Mm -hmm. or they identify as neither. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around the pronouns. Yeah, well, pronouns or even gender fluidity. Period. Gender flu yes. You know, people just for whatever reason they just can't wrap their yeah. head around. Yeah, they're Neither like pick, pick a yeah. side is what right. people think. Yeah, got it. What other stats do you have? Anything else? That, that's really all I got. I mean, that's I mean that's enough, right? It, that's enough. Huge. It's huge. Then I, I was shocked when I wrote these numbers down. I, was, I had to read it twice to make sure I was. That's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm actually surprised that the suicide rate is higher for transgender males 
as it is for transgender females. You are. That surprises me. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the thing that surprises me is that it is so much, not in all cases, but in most cases, you know, guys that identify as female, I think they put up with a lot more shit. Yeah. General public. Than yeah. Women. Yeah. We put up with a lot of shit being women. Because, you know, <laughs> You know, just to let you know, transgender males are the biggest feminists on the planet. Is that right? I grew up female. Yeah. Yeah. So you've already. I didn't already... transition until my late 40s. So I can honestly tell you, honestly, a woman can do anything that a man can. I love that. Period. I love that. Except rebuild lawnmower carburetors uh, in my case okay so let's talk about this so you've got you've got the ptsd stuff yeah. uh you're struggling with trying to figure out you know how to transition what to do so you've lived all this all these years not being who you are and denying who you are right right and out of fear Mm -hmm. Right. So, so something in there uh, has to give. Right. And this is where we talk about um, the, you know, the heart of, of kind of why I started doing this, this whole series around addiction. And I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I don't know that I am because I've been in this world for so many years, meaning this world of raising a gay son uh, or who is now a gay man who has mental health issues and also addiction issues, they all kind of go together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially in the trans community where they've been predominantly portrayed as sex workers for so many years before they now have started to, but, but even in the media, they still, or in film, they're still in those roles, right? Mm -hmm. So you, yes. yes. And so you, in, and all of that world, because I'm very familiar with that, you know, world of prostitution and trafficking, uh, because I, what I've gone through with my son, all of that just lends itself to, you have to numb, you have to numb yourself. Yeah. You, you cannot wake up in the morning and feel good about anything because you're depressed, you're anxious. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have PTSD. Maybe you have, you're bipolar. You have a borderline personality disorder something is going on mm -hmm. and you can't function like anyone that's normal quote and yeah. quote right whatever that means whatever normal so is. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna medicate i'm gonna get pills i'm gonna drink i'm gonna smoke this smoke that snort this whatever and ultimately yeah. right and then ultimately like in my son's case, you know, almost overdose. And I'm going to have five drugs in my body at the same time, including heroin, right? So that's one, one path. Some people's addiction is sex addiction. Mm -hmm. And some people's addiction, shopping. And mm -hmm. some are alcoholics, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it just feels like it's the normal progression, <laughs> <laughs> of the way of the way that shit falls because no one because you're not accepted you can't talk about anything especially in, as in the trans community it's getting better obviously getting but better. but you you know it's it's such an oppressed uh community i mean talk about oppression right that yeah it, it, it was funny um when i first transitioned i put a brief message out on facebook and because I think I prefaced it with, I'm only going to say this once kind of thing. Yeah. Because I'm not the kind of person that wants to be perceived as shoving shit down your throat. Right, right. You know, my views are my views. And, you know, if I feel strongly about something, I'm going to say something. But sure. I'm not going to be, you know, constantly. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was actually surprised at how many people I, I posed the question 
who all here knows someone who's transgender? I was actually surprised at how many people said they did. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, because the statistics are 80% of people do not know right. who a trans person in their life. And I, you're, so you're like number three that I know. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the pronouns. I'm still learning all of that. But yeah, I mean, was that, that was a shock for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. But then, okay, so, but let's take it one step further. They may know someone who is, but do they understand? Are they educated right. about the process That's of changing? Yeah. Question. Yeah, because what you see in the media is not necessarily truth. No. So you, so let's talk about this now, because I think this is really important for people who are listening that are that know that they're trans that are young adults or young children or children mm -hmm. who um like you said you knew when you were two mm -hmm. that you were you were a man yeah. right yeah. so with that with that being said like how do you feel if you were listening to a conversation like this back then and you were in, you know 16 years old what do you think would be comforting uh, to hear from someone that's in your position? Oh God, all of it would be comforting. Yeah. Tell me that. Your journey. would be, You'd want to know the journey like we just talked yeah, about. I, I would want to know the journey. I, I would want to know all the terminology I could get. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, because back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't any. Yeah. There was one listing in the telephone book, and that was the Gay and Lesbian Center down in San Diego, and that was it. Yeah. That whole thousand-something page phone book. Right. One teeny tiny little entity. Right. That didn't tell me squat. Yeah. And Nobody as a teenager, was... as a teenager, how the hell am I going to get down there and ask questions? <laughs> right, right. So you'd want to know... Uh, where people are, where are the communities, how can I get, how can I have outreach, mm -hmm. all of that. And I mean, also, wouldn't you say that the majority of, of trans, um, the trans community, or even really the LGBTQ community as a whole, really, um, they don't have as much, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, there's not I'm enough, thinking. what is but, it? Yeah. Resources. Resources and support. Yeah. And like, and it's getting better. Another interesting thing is, is that the LGBT community, LGBTQ community, we're actually still learning about each other. Right. Right. There is still a lot of misunderstandings within the community. Sure. You know, towards one another. Right. So let's talk about this. Disclosure. Which yes. If anyone has not seen this movie, amazing documentary, amazing, amazing documentary. It's like an hour and a half. It's on Netflix. Laverne Cox, who I is my hero, um, pretty much narrates it or she's like, you know, yeah. the whole, the whole voice of the, of the show. Um, that when I was watching that and I saw trans males and trans women who were talking about uh, the pain and the suffering that they were in when they were young and then to see a movie where they saw another trans person and they like just what you oh, said yeah. they were just holding on yeah. right yep. everybody at every stage of, of of each decade when someone that they had on there was saying mm -hmm. like oh for me it was this movie for me it was that movie and those were the movies that they just saw over and over and over again because they just wanted to see this person is just like, like me. me. Yeah. And it felt like you could achieve anything because you're watching someone like you. Yeah, you're not alone. On the screen. Yes. I definitely feel alone, you know, growing up. For sure. And so Boys Don't Cry was the movie for you, huh? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a it was a powerful movie for sure. 
So I think when you're (laughs) what disturbing movie, it was disturbing, Yeah, but, but it was powerful. And like I was telling you, you know, the, the teasing and the bullying and all of the shame and everything that goes along with really any, you know, anything that we're talking about, right. We're talking about mental health. People have a lot of um, prejudices against people who take medication and those that don't, there's a lot of judgment, right. Um, Schizophrenia, people that have schizophrenia, you know, there's, there's just all kinds of judgment in that category. Uh, Addiction, you know, Uh, lots of judgment around the addiction. Mm -hmm. And then you move over to the LGBTQ community and talk about just some crazy shit happening because you have, um, from what I understand, unless you, you know more on this, I'd love to hear it, is that the, the gay men have a really hard time supporting and understanding trans. Yes. Unless that's gotten better. Lesbians also have a really hard time understanding and supporting women that want to transition to men. Is that right? Okay. They, um, in fact, there is an episode on the L word. Mm. Where Max is the transgender character. Mm-hmm. One of one of the women approaches him, basically saying, "Why do you want to throw away your womanhood?" Oh, not I think I saw that on Disclosure. Didn't they have a clip of they that did on have that? that clip on there. Yeah. yeah, not understanding need- that, that that that's not what it's about for trans. We, you know, we never identified with that in the first place. Absolutely. To us, it's like a birth defect. That's how I always perceived it. Like when I hit puberty, the breasts were a birth defect for sure. <laughs> so, so when you had the, when you were kind of dealing with this, the mental health piece, did you also have some addiction stuff that kind of popped in? Uh, yeah, drinking. I think when I, thinking back, I got serious about not drinking when I really started getting into the therapy mm-hmm. the deal with my PTSD because mm-hmm. it became not only was my therapist telling me hey it's better to go through this sober but it was very apparent to me <laughs> yeah it was even though it was very painful and it still is I don't think that ever goes away now so even you know you could be in therapy for decades the pain never goes away right but we learn, we learn new tools on how to deal with things mm-hmm. that come up in our life. The coping, the coping skills. Right, the coping skills. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stick when you're inebriated or high. It, it creates like a Teflon layer on yourself. It just falls off and you just yeah. stuck in this vicious circle. You know, so you really do have to get a grip on your addiction Simultaneously, I would say, I don't Mm -hmm. think, I don't think it's necessarily a, you got to do this first and then that, and then that. Did you, but did you, in your case, did you get all of that kind of worked out and not not handled, but you know what I'm saying? You kind of got it worked out before you transitioned or did you do it simultaneously? I, I did get a lot of it worked out before I transitioned. Okay. Um, when I did inpatient, um, I actually did a very special inpatient program. It was yeah. specifically for LGBTQ. Oh, it was. And how long were you in? I was there for three months. Okay. Patient. And okay. there were two of us who were transgender. Wow. Uh, and so that came up the subject of transgender and there was an American Indian there who pulled me aside and said, you know, aside from all of this therapy and everything, he goes, mm-hmm. I feel that it is important that when you go through your transition, that you understand you're not getting rid of your feminine. Right. Right. That you still need to remember who you were because that's always going to be a part of you. Absolutely. And, you know, 
there's there, there's some individuals that have such intense gender dysphoria they don't want to hear that in fact i didn't want to hear it when i first heard it right the more that i sat with it and the more that i let it resonate the more it made sense well let me say something to you you said to me in this text which i just loved it was so beautiful um where you were talking about you know therapy issues also helped my issues uh in therapy to see the importance of embracing my whole self mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to understand that i wasn't getting rid of stephanie in quotes but instead i was allowing steve to finally be yeah do i want you to know something i teared up when i read that <laughs> i literally teared up i'm like kind of tearing up right now honestly I teared up when I read that, Steve, because I just thought, how beautiful is that? It was just so simple and so genuine and just so honest. And it was, it was beautiful. Big thanks to Steve for sharing his incredibly difficult story with us today. And join me on part two with Steve following this podcast. I think he demonstrated the power in truly knowing ourselves and the bravery for being willing to come out of the rabbit hole and to show us all that embracing your whole self can be an extraordinary journey. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or visit us at lightfromtherabbithole.com. As my good friend Tony says, my mission is my movement. And I hope you were moved with just a little more kindness and compassion today. Until next time. As a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and to bring awareness and resources to those in need. This show will have expressed opinions and it is not intended to replace the guidance of one's medical doctor.